инвестиции. Hello and welcome to this very special live edition of the Jersnet podcast. We're here to bring you the last word on all of this weekend's Rangers action in a very special live performance. It's it's uh, it's unscripted, it's unedited, uh, it's probably unprepared for what's about to happen as we look back at a hugely disappointing draw at home against St Johnston yesterday, as well as addressing the state of the SFA's disciplinary system. My name's Ross Bennett and as always it is my absolute privilege to be your host this evening. Joining us this week, we've even got an extra panel member to join us. First up, it is the, the archetypal Rangers da, Colin Armstrong. Colin, are you excited to be here on the live show? Yeah, I'm very excited, Ross, and I'm, I'm delighted to be referred to as a Rangers da. We've got the ultimate Rangers da patter, and now we're bringing it live <laughs> to the masses as well. Well, well. Here we go. If the hat fits, Ross, if the hat fits. If the hat fits, yes. exactly. Right, also with us tonight, returning to the show, it's the excellent uh, John McCallum. John, how's things at your end this evening? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. Um, I'm hoping I can live up to that billing. I think I'd have preferred to be the Rangers da. I know, fair enough. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I don't even know if you've got kids, so I can't call you a Rangers da. But... <laughs> and, and that, hat, that, that hat's already been taken. Somebody that has been taken. Hat already, so. Aye, exactly. <laughs> And finally, with us this evening, keeping a watchful eye over the proceedings, is the Jersnet commander, Frankie. Frankie, thank you very much for entrusting the reputation of Jersnet into our hands this evening. How are you doing? I'm very well, mate. Um, talking about Rangers, does the, 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 um, I'm thinking about filth, just because um, you have milfs. So I'm your father. You'd like to... Um, well, we'll leave it there. I, I, absolute filth. <laughs> Oh dear! Live but I'm I'm dumbstruck after that. Usually we we get Graham editing this out, but there we go. Right, I, I think all lock can... up all impressionable children who may be listening. Ah, exactly. Look, we obviously, like I say, we're live. We're unedited tonight. So to everyone listening, um, please do join in the discussion. If you're you're joining us on YouTube this evening, then there should be a a, a chat section uh, available so you can. Drop in your comments, leave your questions for us just there. We're keeping an eye on that. So it's a discussion. It's very much interactive. Um, we'd love for you to get involved, fire in any questions you've got. You can also, of course, head over to www.jersnet.co.uk. Get on the forum there. There's a dedicated thread. Any questions you've got, um, please do get in touch and, and we'll try and get through as many as possible. Also, as we are live, you're going to have to forgive any wee mistakes, any naughty words that slip out. Um, so thanks for bearing with us on that. Obviously, we're no being edited and it's, it's kind of as unfiltered as you can get. Right, we're going to fire straight in and head into the St Johnston game yesterday. Colin, I'm actually almost sorry that I'm going to have to ask you to relive it, but what did you make of the performance yesterday? Uh, it's kind of starting to feel like more of the same, Ross, if I'm being honest. The performances are so up and down, and yesterday I, I think this side has a real problem with teams that are well organised that just sit in, you know, we seem to lack creativity and it kind of felt like we weren't going to get anything early doors and it, it just continued that way and I don't like being negative and all the rest of it but I came out for the game yesterday and I said to my boy I says, nah, that's it, the league's away, I just cannot see us recovering after Celtic's win today, I can't see us recovering eight points, we just dropped too many points against teams like St Johnson and overall just Really, really flat and disappointing. 
Aye, flat's a really good word for it. It was it was turgid, wasn't it? It was it was uninspiring. It was drab. It was, and actually, you know, the writing was on the wall from about ten minutes in. You could see that it was just going to be another one of these long, frustrating afternoons. Um, when obviously Celtic weren't playing for another twenty four hours, chance to cut the gap and have a wee bit of psychological pressure on them, which is, it's it's, it's frustrating. Well, I think a lot of that comes down to mentality. You know, I, I think. I think when you look at the game in the 29th when we beat Celtic 1-0, you saw everybody was up for it. You know, everybody wanted to play in that game. And, I mean, they, they pummeled Celtic. It was it should have been more than 1-0, you know. But you need to reach that level of performance in, in all your games. And too often this season, I was I was having a wee squint through some of the, the previous games that we've played. You know, we've dropped points against Motherwell, Livingston, Hibs twice. St. Johnston yesterday, and there's another one as well that sort of Dundee in December. There, you know, I counted it up. You know, it's 13 points against these teams, and that these performances have littered, you know, Stephen Gerrard's time in charge at Rangers. And I think we've left ourselves with too much to do now. And how many times have we spoken about mentality on this show? You know, the mentality of the players, and we'll come on to recruitment actually in a wee bit because it's something that I think we need to. Have a slightly critical look at is the recruitment of players over the last two last two windows. Um, if we're trying to stay positive, John, um, can you tell us if anyone actually performed well yesterday? Did anyone get pass marks for you? I think the problem yesterday was it was so predictable. It's like you said yourself, ten minutes in, you knew how this game was going to go, uh, and that's exactly how it went. And you know, we didn't play badly; we just didn't play well enough. You know, we we controlled large parts of the game. At the same time, we could have lost it when that boy went through and hit the bar. You know, we were an inch away from losing that match. Um, so in terms of who played well, I thought I thought Fodringham came in and did okay. I don't think you could you could fault him. I thought he had a pretty good game. He had one very good save. Uh, Kamara making his debut, uh, not a player I was all that familiar with at Dundee. Um, he looked comfortable. You know, he looked like. Uh, a guy who would be a decent addition to the squad. Um, he didn't look like the guy who's going to push us on, um, but uh, he did okay. Um, you know, the defence played okay. Uh, I, I didn't feel Tav did what you were hoping he would do. He didn't get forward enough. Um, Kent kept on running into bodies. But uh, yeah, I mean, Fod, uh, the keeper, and, and, and Kamara were the two for me that you came away thinking, well, okay, they came in and... and they performed, but the rest of them were very disappointing. Uh, it just—it was a very frustrating day. Uh, as I said, you could see it coming from early on, and and you just couldn't see how we were going to break that down because we've just not been able to do it all season when teams come and do that to us. No, absolutely, you're spot on. And, and Fodringham's an interesting one because obviously he's he's very much second fiddle to McGregor. I think in terms of natural ability, um, McGregor's head and shoulders above Fodringham. But Fodringham obviously can he shows that he's still got the the ability to to come in and play a really important role for the club. And actually, I'm sure he was mighty relieved that he wasn't dropped behind Firth. And Firth could have come in and made his debut yesterday. But you're right that Fodringham kind of he, he showed that he's got value because there was a lot of discussion, quite a lot of critical discussion before the game about how we're a weaker team when McGregor's away, which we probably are, to be fair, you know. But Fodringham, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad for the guy. I don't think he'll be here for the first game of next season. I think he's probably away in, in the summer, and that's 
probably one of those that suits all parties with you know we brought in Firth we've obviously got Robbie McCrory out on loan but by all accounts he's he's got a lot of potential and so I think it, it was good for Fodringham to come and show that he can still he can still cut it at this level but I don't see a, a huge future for him at, at the club unfortunately but oh, the, the other player that you mentioned is, is Glenn Kamara Frankie this was our first chance to have a, have a look at Kamara who's come in he's, he's obviously worked very very hard to get up to speed what did you what did you make of his performance? Mm, I think it was neat and tidy. Uh, nothing overly special. I think it, it did the job he was asked to do in terms of sort of sitting in the middle of the park, um, winning the ball back, moving it on. Um, but I'm kind of puzzled because I think we've got about three or four of these guys that do that already anyway. So um, I, I'm not exactly sure that's what we needed yesterday. And, and certainly in games where teams sit in, we need somebody that can break lines, that can get forward, that can support the striker. And as much as I think I've seen Kamara in the opposition box once or twice, and he was quite unlucky in the first half with a good shot that I think was was blocked by Ricky Foster as uh, just in front of the goalkeeper. Um, I, I don't think Kamara is a guy that's going to score us ten goals a season for the number ten position. Um, and saying that, it's it's, it's not fair to to, uh, to to blame him um, for for yesterday's result. I mean, I think you go through the whole team and. And, uh, and pick faults with, with players and, and certainly pick faults with, with the managerial decisions. I mean, the first five minutes yesterday, I'm not convinced we touched touch the ball. I think St Johnston had all the play without looking overly dangerous at that period. And then you think it will kind of get much worse than this. And to be honest, it, it didn't really get much better. I mean, we did have a few chances. Um, let's say I think uh, Goldson, he had a, a header that he should have done better with. He was maybe actually getting filled at the time. And then the second half, uh, I think Lafferty came on, did not too bad, and, and he had a couple of decent efforts that were just wide. But to be honest, it's once again, our, our shooting was awful. I mean, the best chance, I think, felt like Candias in the second half. And, and I think they're still looking for the ball in the in the Colton Road. So it's it's pretty depressing uh, today. I was depressed last night. I was kind of glad we, we didn't have the, the live pod last night because I think I might be in a better mood today. But... After what happened at Rugby Park, then it's it's. Oh, it doesn't um, sound like it. Uh, it's we're, 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 we're pretty down. It's it's it's, it's hard, Ross. We're, we're, I mean, I, you know me. I, I like to try and be positive where I can, but this is just happening far too often now. And to be honest, ever since the turn of the year, we've never done a thing since after the winter break. Right, we've beat Aberdeen. We've had a couple of decent performances here or there, but we're only playing consistently well, and it's a big concern for me. And at, at some point, we can't. Even, stop ignoring the fact that we're dropping silly points and silly points at home and as soon as Morelos isn't playing and Arfield isn't playing we're really really struggling You made an interesting point there you were talking about how Kamara's not this you know kind of number 10 attacking creative midfielder who'll break the defensive line bring others into play but ultimately contribute by scoring goals himself and I think it's well documented amongst the fans that that's what we're missing at the moment Is there any chance there Colin that what we're describing is a guy called Josh Windass. I've mentioned this before, uh, Ross, about Windass. I've, I've mentioned it recently, actually, that like, I don't think Josh Windass was, was, was good enough to play for Rangers. I think he, he disappeared in too many games, especially big games. But what he did bring was goals. Yeah, and I'm not convinced uh, we've, we've replaced you know the amount of goals that he provided for us. And so... 
as much as I wouldn't want him back, we, we, we do need someone who can contribute for goals because, as Frankie's pointed out, when Morelos isn't on the side, you know, we, we struggle badly. I don't want to say Rangers are a one, you know, a one man team or anything like that. That's far from the case. But you saw yesterday, I'm not convinced that the, the, the system that's, that, that, that Gerard favours suits. Uh, the four, so uh, he looked at his thoughts yesterday, but he was he was getting fed on scraps. You know what I mean? I, I think people like Candias and to a lesser extent Ken have to have, have to do a wee bit more when Morelos isn't there, and that that just shows you how good he's he's been this season, Morelos. You know, because the other players obviously know if, even if they just put it down the line into the corner, Morelos is going to cause problem. He's a pest. Derek McInnes said that after the Aberdeen game. You know, the guy is an absolute pest who doesn't give defences a second. He's just all over them like a cheap suit. And when you've got a different kind of player like Defoe, you're missing the goals, you're needing somebody from midfield to step up, and there's no doubt the wind has brought that. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying here I, I would take him back, but we need someone who provides, you know, that sort of level of goals. Aye, it's not about taking him back. I mean, the point is, is you're right, is that he was never replaced. It's that we, you know, we shipped him out, got, what was it? One point five, two million pound for him, whatever it was, that wasn't reinvested suitably to bring in someone that will replace the, the the goals that would be missing. But I mean, I think we have to kind of address the, the elephant in the room, and that's the absence of Alfredo Morelos. And you you touched on it there, Colin, and you said that we're not a one man team. But I mean, look at the evidence. We struggle when this boy's out the side. We really, really struggle. Yeah, we do. There's no doubt. But I mean, you know, that doesn't make us a one-man side. It means we're maybe a little bit over-reliant on him. And it's maybe an, an indicator of how good a player he can be when he's on his, on his sort of top game. But but I think the issue is, you know, people like Candias, I don't think he scores enough. Kent delivers on, on the goal front. I think he should maybe score more. But, it, you know, he doesn't lack in that particular department. Your midfield three... You know, when you look when you look at who's who's in the middle of the park, Ryan Jack, uh, Kamara was there yesterday. Stephen Davis is back. Uh, Arfield, you know, Arfield chips in now and again, but I, I just think we're we're too heavily reliant on on Morelos, and when he's not there, you know, the thinking can kind of go to pot. But I suppose if you're looking at it from Stephen Gerrard's point of view, he's he's looking at it and thinking, you know, St. Johnson are a bog standard side I shouldn't need Morelos to, to beat this team and he's probably right you know he, he changed the team quite a bit yesterday some of it was enforced with suspensions but you know he gave Davis an hour and he gave Kamara his debut left Arfield and Jack out lots of changes because he's probably feeling you know I should be able to put out these players and we, and we should beat St Johnson and we can't you know the evidence is there as I said with the games but previously that we've dropped stupid points we can't beat these teams on. They're well organised and they sat and we don't have the creativity to break them down. Do you think Arfield and Jack were dropped yesterday? No. No, I, I, genuinely, I genuinely think... Uh, and I think Gerard's starting to lose patience with a few of them. I think Barisic is one he's starting to lose sort of the rag with. I just think every time he gets a chance to bring another boys and give them game time, I think it gets exposed that the, the, the strength and depth isn't in the squad. But I mean, Arfield and Jack were surely injured. I mean, I hadn't heard beforehand, but I'm assuming they didn't just—he didn't just drop them. I you think, think it's maybe got, I think it's more to do with the game on Wednesday. To be honest with you, John, I think yeah, he's looking possibly, at—you yeah. know—I think he's looking at Kilmarnock, thinking that's an important game. 
And if we get past that, we've you know we've, we've got Aberdeen to deal with. So mm-hmm. I think he's looking at the two games and thinking St Johnson should be the easier of the two. I've got experienced players in uh, Davis there. You know, McCrory's been been very solid in his performances this season. Kamara, obviously, it was his debut, but he's been doing well for Dundee. He obviously thinks there's enough in there to see see. Yeah, he's passing Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. I, I tell you, a player we're missing this season is Murphy. Yeah. Uh, Murphy chips in with goals. I mean, you know, Murphy's, uh, you know, Murphy will score a goal every third game or so, which isn't bad for a midfielder. Uh, is he a midfielder? I'm never entirely sure. But uh, he's a player we're missing. That's a really good point. I mean, and Murphy was never properly replaced. And I think we'll talk about, let's say, we'll talk about recruitment a wee bit later on. But Murphy was kind of panic replaced with Eros Gresda, and it's just, it's no worked. It's patently no worked. So Murphy was always, it was slightly predictable what Murphy was going to do, and that he would pick up the ball on the touchline, run to kind of 18 yards, and then cut inside and try and shoot from the edge of the box. But it, it, it was predictable. But Scottish defences aren't that good, so it worked. And and he was creative, and he was determined, and he didn't hide. So actually, he's a, he's a player that I really liked. And John, I think you're spot on that, that we really miss him. I think someone that should, for me, should be performing better than he is and should be contributing more than he is is, is Steve Davis. I think he's now had enough time to try and bring himself a bit closer to full match fitness and I think a lot of fans, when we found out that he was going to be brought in and that he, you know, obviously went out to the training camp, joined the squad out there, we had a lot of high hopes and high expectations for Steve Davis. What do you think, John, as to his his performances since he's joined? Has he disappointed you? Do you think there's more to come, or do you think it's it's too early to judge? All three. Um, I have been disappointed so far. Uh, I think there is more to come. Uh, so I, I feel that Davis is a. I still think Davis is a great singer. Um, I, I wanted us to try and get him in the summer. Um, and I was delighted when we managed to get him in January. Uh, I still think he is a player that could contribute at our level. I think uh, what I like about Davis and why I think he'll come good is that his game isn't based on pace. You know, his game is based on, on, on the fact that he has very good ability and he can see a pass, he can read the game well. So, you know, even if he is a, a yard slower than the brothers before, uh, I don't actually think that should affect his game much. But I agree with you. Um, you know, he didn't. He, he looked off the pace on all oh, yesterday, um, and in his previous outings, he hasn't looked the player he was. Um, I still think he will come. I still think it will come good. Uh, I'm not entirely sure the position we're playing him in, but uh, I think you could say that about a, a, a couple of them. But no, I, I still think he will come good, and I still think he's a good sign. Um, you know, without resorting to cliches, uh, class is, is permanent and form is temporary. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have any worries about Davis. I think, I think Davis is a good sign and I, and I think he'll do it for us. Um, and I think, he'll, he, I think that you'll start to see that as he starts to get games. I think my biggest, my, sorry Ross, my biggest issue with, with Davis, in hindsight, because I'm, I'm with John, I, I was happy that we, that we signed him. But I think we have to remember Davis hasn't played a huge amount of football over the last year or so. And maybe, you know, considering, I mean, the result in the 29th, that put his level with Celtic. Admittedly, they had a game in hand, so effectively they were three points in front. You know, maybe with hindsight, we needed someone to hit the ground running. And given that Davis has not played a, a huge amount of football, he was never going to be that player. You know, maybe maybe we've all been caught up a wee bit remembering the Stephen Davis that we had previously. I think he looks well off the pace at the moment, looks very, very slow. 
and the games I've seen him in, he's he's not impressed at all. I'm not saying that he's done as a player, but I don't think he's going to contribute. But we thought he was going to contribute between now and the end of the season. I think I think worse than um, being off the pace is he actually looks disinterested to me. Um, his body language is awful. Yesterday, the amount of times we got throw-ins and he made runs up dead end so he couldn't get the ball. I was watching him in particular just because of the Arfield no play and I was hoping for, for big big things from Davis. He's a senior player. He's a talented player. He did a great job in his first spell at us. Um, you clearly are a, a poor player if you can play in the, um, the English leagues, in the top English league for a number of years as he has done. And yesterday was absolutely hopeless. He didn't want the ball, didn't show for the ball. When he did get the ball, he gave it away, so you can maybe put that down to sharpness. But this wasn't like five, sorry, 20, 30 yard passes he was giving away. It was five, 10 yard passes he couldn't make. And I was surprised he made it as long as the 60 minutes before he got taken off because he was really, really bad. Again, it's it's not fair to pick on one player, I don't think. Um, I could go through the whole team and, and, and complain at them, but he was really, really bad. And I, th- I think um, you mentioned uh, Arfield and Jack. Not being the team, I think both were probably injured. I know Arfield supposedly been carrying something from that Celtic game, so um, I think that explains why they weren't playing rather than anything else. But um, you really needed somebody like Davis to step in and say that I'm going to take this game with the scuff of the wreck and I'm going to win a game for us. And instead, he did the opposite. He had and um, couldn't get off the park quick enough when his number came up, and that's a real worry um, when it's a, a key signing for the rest of the season. It's a real worry. I think the for me, it's it's not that he just looks off the pace. It's that he he looks his age. That's that's all it is for me. Is that he he looks he looks like he's a mid thirties guy trying to keep up the pace and he can't do it anymore. And for me, that that worries me because will he ever get it back? I don't know. You know, it was a, it was, it was a risky signing, not in terms of the financial risk. And you know, there's obviously no been a huge transfer fee outlay or anything like that. But I don't know if he's going to have the impact that we all hoped he would have. And I, I hope I'm wrong on that one. I really, really do. But um, we'll, ju- we'll just have to see, obviously. I mean, he's, he's played, what, three games? And not even a full 90 minutes yet? I, I, I think I, I think you have to. You know, bearing in mind how little football he's played. Yeah, I, I know we're all disappointed, but I think you have to. You're, you're being awful harsh. Uh, you need to give him a chance. You're, you're right, John. You're right. Of course you're right. It's, it's not fair to judge somebody after two or three games. But the problem is... We're not playing well enough to ease people into the side. It's shown with Davis and it's shown with Defoe. So that's two players we really can't afford to play them because they, they are, you can, they're clearly not fit and they're not working into the system the, the, way, the way we play. So I, I, I think it, you're right there. I think in terms of Defoe, I don't think so much fitness with Defoe is. And I, I think he, I, I don't think the style suits him. I don't think he's a player that can play the, the, the Morellas role. I don't, I don't think that's his game. If you give, if you create chances for him, he'll score goals. But don't expect him to, to you know, to drag defenders out wide and, and ragdoll guys because that's not his game. No, I, you know, I, and, again, and he can't do that. Okay, I agree. But the thing is that that isn't his game. He's he's a penalty box player, and he's, I think his touching that's actually looked quite good um, when he's played so far. He's got a great goal against Aberdeen, obviously, but. He's got to amend his game as well. He kind of just stand in the centre of the, the, the pitch for 45 minutes, which he did in the first half. He, he's got to try and work the channel at least. I mean, he's not got to be a Morelos and go and win the ball physically and, and hold somebody up and then beat a couple of players and rifle in the top corner. That's fine. I understand that. But you've got to try and adapt your game a certain extent to try and make it work. And 
I, I didn't see much effort in him uh, to do that yesterday. Even when Lafferty came on to sort of uh, provide that support, that they didn't really work very well together. Um, and again, I mean, they had a few weeks in January to try and sort all this out and change the system. And clearly, they tried to um, go to this diamond um, at Rugby Park the other week there, which um, resulted in our three points dropped. It's to me, it's it just smacks of naive management and it's. <laughs> Again, I, I appreciate I sounding really negative, and I, I didn't want to, but it's hard to be positive when there's the same faults every week. Now, we're just the, the, the manager seems to struggle to motivate these guys. I mean, yesterday, the first five minutes, it was just like they, they had been out on the on the last the night before, and when the, the young lads came on at half time, I was hoping we could swap swap the eleven for the eleven because. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they provided a lot more um, intelligence and imagination in a two or three games that I watched on YouTube than this team and our first team have done this year so far. Aye, and a quick word, by the way, for the young team for their achievement out there in the Middle East was absolutely superb, and I'm I'm delighted that they were able to come back and parade the trophy in front of the fans at Ibrox because you know serious serious congratulations to them for for what they managed to do over there. Can we not just talk about that for the next forty minutes? Aye, it's more fun, isn't it? <laughs> Right, I think what we'll do is we'll probably leave the St Johnston game there because we're all miserable and, you know, obviously Celtic got a, a last-minute winner over at Rugby Park um, only a few hours ago with a shot that was going over the bar until it hit Steve Bruce's son on the arse and deflected in. Um, what we're going to do is we'll take a, a, a really quick pause now just to mention a good friend of the show, obviously Stevie Clifford from the, the Four Lads Had a Dream blog. Um Four lads, they're running a, a, an auction with a load of really excellent prizes uh, for any Rangers fan. Wonderful prizes that you should definitely take a look at. Uh, I think I'm right to say it's only £10 to enter and they'll, they'll post anywhere worldwide. So um, definitely keep your eyes peeled for, for all of that. Uh, head over to their website for all the details, all the information. Uh, definitely something to get involved with. Colin, I just wanted to take a quick moment uh, to pause there. I know that you had a, a quick shout out you wanted to do this evening. Uh, yeah, uh, it's just a it's just a mention for a guy that sits a couple of seats behind me at Ibrox, uh, David Craig, whose wife sadly passed away a couple of weeks ago, Margaret, and, and Margaret was a season ticket holder as well, she had a seat, yeah, she gave it up I think about a year ago uh, because something happened to her work or shift chains or something like that, so uh, they, they were both at the Celtic game, uh, that was the last time we seen her and sadly as I said she passed away a couple of weeks ago, so just a mention for, for Davey, I know he's, he's having a real rough time at the now and uh, all, all the boys in the, the Copeland, sorry, the Copeland, the Govan Rear are thinking about him. Uh, absolutely, and then uh, just to echo that, I'd say that the thoughts obviously of everyone here at Jesnet is with, with Davey and, and Margaret's family. Um, right, I think what we better do then is take a quick jump ahead, uh, move on from the St Johnston game. There was no podcast last week um, and it seems that there would have been a hell of a lot to talk about in terms of refereeing decisions, compliance officers, citations, and the whole Scottish disciplinary fiasco. Um, I think the key words here in terms of Scottish disciplinary issues is inconsistency. Inconsistency where you can get sent off for having your leg tangled in a defender's legs, but you kind of get sent off for being booted in the eye. So, Frankie, have, have refereeing standards before we get into compliance officers, before we get into retrospective action, have refereeing standards ever been this low? It's hard to tell. I think, um, I can't remember referee standards being very good at, at any point. 
I think the issue we've got now is is just everything's poured over um, microscopically, and it's just uh, every every game on sports scene, super slow motion, every tackle, well every Rangers game and every Rangers tackle is poured over until we, we create enough controversy, manufacture enough annoyance um, to punish Rangers, and um, I think it's the whole process that has to be looked at. The officials are awful. The um, the media coverage is awful. The compliance officer and how they, they do the sort of post-match stuff seems to be awful. Um, and I, I don't know where we go for here just now because, I mean, the Morales and McGregor, I, mean, I think Morales was really hard done by. I, I think he was a bit silly to get involved. I think he had the, the beating of McKenna the whole game. So um, you mentioned his leg got caught with... McKenna's, and I think there's there's an element of truth to that. However, also I think Marielle's did leave a bit on him, or, or tried to, and then maybe uh, thought twice. And he, he, he knew what he was doing, though, didn't he, Marielle's? He was he, he was did. leaving a wee bit of bite in. Of, of course he did, and 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 that's fine to a certain extent. However, he got away with three very similar examples against Celtic. So to keep thinking he's got to keep getting away with it is naive at best. And it, it was always going to get punished, and I, I think he just got to, to to write that one off. The McGregor one, I think. I think McGregor. I mean, McGregor's one of the most experienced players, and game after game, he tries to get involved in these wee off the ball stuff. And this is in the nineteen nineties where you had a couple of camera angles in Scotsport. You've now got six, seven camera angles. So if you try and leave something on somebody or want to get involved in something off the ball, the cameras will catch it. And the Rangers players should know by now the attention afterwards and sports scene and, and, and in the papers is going to be on them. And so to, to, to slide in on that player, and, and again, for me, McGregor knew what he was doing. I think he, I don't think he, he tried specifically to, to, to hurt the guy, but at the same time, I thought he tried to leave something on him. And um, I didn't have a huge amount of sympathy. But the problem we've got is, that's all well and good. So let's say they both deserve red cards and, and post-match punishments or whatever you wanted to say. But in the very same game, five minutes after McGregor done that, the Aberdeen player done exactly the same to him. In fact, it was arguably more dangerous because McGregor was going down Lowe's head. So in the Hearts group, Tynecastle last year, Scott Arfield was sent off for something like that. Uh, fair enough. Again, I'm quite happy. To, I mean, I'm quite happy to admit when Rangers players should be sent off and when we benefit or don't benefit from decisions. But this, their player, the, uh, Lewis Ferguson, gets booted. There's no post-match discussion about it, and there certainly isn't any action by the compliance officer. And then again today, Scott Brown studs up challenge. It's exactly like what he did to Daniel Candace recently, except this time he didn't even win the ball. And again, he gets booted because Bobby Madden balls it. It's simple as that. Celtic run this game up here. They run the media, and unfortunately, as long as they get away with this in the media and gentle, gentle coverage, and then the referees will be frightened to take action against the Celtic captain. And that's it's as simple as that. And people can say they're paranoid. Graham Spears asked me to grow up the other week there on, on Twitter. That's a bit rich coming for him. Uh, but th- this is where we are now. Rangers players get punished. Celtic players don't. And that's no paranoia. The, the facts speak for themselves now when it comes to the, the citation stats. I mean, Bobby Madden's a really interesting one because I think he's almost there was so much kind of sniping away at Bobby Madden saying oh he's a, he's a Rangers season ticket holder he grew up going to Ibrox 
that he's almost been pressured into trying to prove that he's not a Rangers fan. And that, that was born... I, 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 I didn't watch their games. I didn't watch their game today. Um, but we've seen it quite a few times with Bobby Madden and that he's afraid to give Rangers decisions and that he's very happy to give Celtic decisions. So I've seen that Scott Brown does this. I mean, we've all seen the photos going around on Twitter now. A few hours ago, Scott Brown does this studs-up challenge and gets a yellow card for it. And then um, Kirk Broadfoot does a, a similar challenge and he walks for it. And then obviously you compare those challenges to Alan Power booting Ryan Jack in the heat. And there's it's it's the inconsistency that's the problem. Why is it then, John, do you think that certain fouls a Rangers player gets sent off for or gets retrospectively punished for when the stats suggest that Celtic players don't get punished for the same thing? I genuinely think part of this part of the problem here is, is our the, the BBC are so powerful in the Scottish the Scottish football respect. The, the press are not don't have the same influence they had. Uh, the number of people reading the main tabloid newspapers in Scotland is, is now far, far smaller than it was. Um, and the main media now is sports scene and sports sound. And they are deciding what what they focus on. And and because we are not involved in either of those two programmes. Yeah, you know, they, they could say what they want, and there's no one from Rangers to challenge them. You know, there's no one there to put our, our case forward. And, and I think actually that's part of it. I think part of it is the fact that Celtic have, over the years, put so much pressure on the referees, um, you know, to the point, and, and we all forget about this now, you know, referees in Scotland went strike. They actually stopped refereeing games because of the pressure Celtic were putting on them. And and eventually they've backed down, and, and I just think, and I feel sorry for Bobby Madden, he must look around and think, you know what, it's not worth it. You send off Scott Brown, your life is miserable. I, I, and I think that's what we are just now. I think you can send up, if you don't send a Rangers player off, your life will be miserable. And if you do send a Celtic player off, your life will be miserable. The media will go, will go for you. Uh, and they are, they, you know, they, they, they whip it up. And then the next thing you know, there's head cases sending referees, death threats and then they condemn the death threats so there's no need for that there's no need for that but you know what well, they've got their story they've managed to do their, their two-hour live thing on the radio where they can analyze all these things and point out how come he didn't get sent off and how come he did get sent off uh, and and that's where we are we, you know we've got to that point and, and my frustration and all this is we've got to this point because we are not taking part in the conversation um and that that frustrates the life out of me because it, it, it's Total nonsense. I mean, he's, I, I didn't watch the Celtic game today, but I saw the clip of, of Brown, and, and you just look at it and you think, you know, in, in what country is that not sending off? It didn't even, it wasn't even the leg he was, that was kicking the ball, he kicked it was his standing leg. Ah, he's gone right through his standing leg. It's, 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 it's wild. It's a leg breaker. And, uh, I don't, how did you not get sent off? <laughs> I don't know. And, and, but none of us expect them, none of us think anything else is going to happen. I mean, you know, nobody expects that. Um, you know, and I heard, did I hear he get sent off for celebrating the goal or something? Ah, he'd already been booked for that tackle, and then when he scored the goal, he jumps over the barrier, and the Celtic fans, Celtic fans, by the way, who are um, quick to point out how embarrassing it is to celebrate a last-minute winner if it's done at Livingston or if it's done at Partick Thistle, 
But if you celebrate a last-minute winner at Kilmarnock, that's fine. You're allowed to storm the pitch then. So it bolts the barriers. Celtic fans rush the front, come on the pitch, and they're all jumping about together. He gets second yellow card and gets sent off. Which, by the way, if you go on Twitter now, that's a disgrace that anyone would ever get a second yellow for that. But, I mean, even even things like celebrating with the fans, which I think is, is the stupidest reason to get a yellow card. It's a terrible law. It, you know... It, it's, it's almost like you're punishing passion, whether that's a Rangers player or a Celtic player. They should be allowed to go and celebrate with their fans. Um, you you can't argue when you then do pick up a yellow card. But do you remember a couple of weeks ago, I think Celtic were playing one of their 15 games against St. Johnston. And uh, Celtic player scores. James Forrest maybe scores, runs to the fans, celebrates with the fans, booked. Then towards the end of the game, Timothy Weah scores, runs to the fans, celebrates him with the fans in the stand, doesn't get booked, and the referee says, I didn't book you because no one in the stand fell over. What kind of logic is that? And that's what you're that's what you're dealing with. The inconsistency in one game for the same team uh, it's, it's mind-blowing. And so, you know... The inconsistency you're, you're ab- is right. It's the inconsistency of the whole thing. I mean, the compliance officer thinks it's a nonsense. So that's, that's what... That's the question I, I want to ask. Who decides what happens there? Exactly. I think uh, it's just uh, Richard Gordon. Who knows who it is decides? But it, it certainly isn't anybody involved in football. But it, 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 it becomes a trial by sports scene, doesn't it? It becomes that these pundits who are, uh, in terms of the, the laws of the game, that are, they, they come across at times as unqualified and uneducated, and yet they, do, they set the, the, the disciplinary agenda. And so... Colin, in that context, when you've got trial by sports scene, you've got guys like Michael Stewart telling the masses how disgraceful this challenge was and how Morelos or Morales or whatever you want to call him this week knows what he's doing. Does that render the role of the compliance officer unfit for purpose? I don't know if the role's unfit for purpose. I think there's a conflict of interest with the current compliance officer because of our connections to a certain law firm that is linked to Celtic Football Club. But the issue with the compliance officer, and it's the same with any issue around, you know, referees and all that kind of thing, and VAR and all these kind of things, is the things that they decide to pick up on and the things that they decide not to pick up on. To me, there, are, there is actually an argument to go back to saying, you know what, the referee referees a game, and at the end of it, what's happened has happened, and that is it. But, you know, as, as John pointed out, the issue, this, this goes back to when the referees went in strike. The whole thing has went tits up from then on. And and you want to know something? See see if that situation had come about where our uh, match officials were refusing to officiate a game because the Rangers Football Club, then I think the whole thing would have been, you know, a lot bigger than it was. You know, it seemed to get swept under the carpet a wee bit. You know, it's, it's inconceivable to think that referees thought, you know what, we're not doing this anymore. And by the way, the whole thing that sparked that off, it was a decision up at Tannadice. I can't remember the linesman's name, but it was a game between Celtic and Dungeon United. It was a decision the linesman got right. You know what I mean? It was a, it was a penalty decision. I can't remember uh, the linesman's name, but he, he gave a penalty, then he never gave a penalty. And then there was this whole stushy after it. And that, to me, that's been the start of this whole thing. And two things happened uh, at the year end. We beat Celtic and took it down to three points. A couple of games after we came back after the the, the winter break, you know, we, we got the four penalties. And that's enough. Now, don't get me wrong, a couple of the decisions that day were shocking. But the reaction since then, 
And, you know, even the way Morelos is portrayed within the media and, you know, by the, the powers that be, he's viewed as this unhinged individual who, you know, needs to tame himself and all this kind of thing. He's his own worst enemy. Whereas, you know, if what's, what the rumours are, are are supposed to be around the situation, the hips are true, you've got a football manager there who can come away with homophobic abuse and all the rest of it and be described as nice guy Lenny. So that's that's part of the issue. You know what I mean? It's 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 how it's how Celtic Football Club have sort of manipulated the situation to get us into this, you know, where we need a compliance officer. If the, the, the stats were the other way about, if Rangers had no players cited and Celtic had nine, well, I know what would be, what the accusation would be. You know, we all know what would be getting claimed. But because it's the other way about, it's fine and, and fair play. It's look, we are where we are in terms of points. We, we can't blame everything that's happened on referees and all the rest of it. However, the lack of consistency, that the sort of farcical nature of the, refereeing decision in this country and then the, the compliance thing you know who gets cited and who doesn't it's nonsense it's absolute nonsense so then the question becomes what can we as a club do about this how do we change it what should we do to respond when I mean so if we go back to the inconsistency which, which I think is the key word here when McGregor can be retrospectively punished for the same challenge as Lewis Ferguson and he gets away with it or when um you know, Alan Power doesn't he get retrospectively punished for that challenge, which actually picked up a lot of traction down in England. I think people going, how the hell is that no a red card? In what country is that not a red card? Because it's, it's a disgusting tackle. So, when these... There's inconsistency in other things as well, Ross. You know, when Rangers, you're saying, what can Rangers do? Hmm. Well, Rangers tried, they made a comment uh, about who was the ref? They came out Willie Collum. Willie Collum. Was it after the St. Murren game when Candias was sent off for blowing a kiss? Exactly. Right? Exactly. So Rangers have made a comment at that point and they were charged and fined six thousand pounds by the compliance officer. Celtic then go to town a few weeks ago there on a referee and, and nothing happens. You know what I mean? So that's there's there's inconsistency at every level. And you have to remember, you know, people say, Well, what can the club do? A former a former St. Murren chairman was it uh, what was his name? Stuart Gilmore said that he he's actually went on record as saying Peter Law runs Scottish football. So that's what you're up against, you know. So it's it's very very difficult. If someone within the game is saying this guy basically is pulling all the strings, what can the club do? You know, because if we protest, if we say we're not happy about the standard of refereeing, we're getting fined. You know, so I I I don't know where the club can go from here. I exactly. Really Exactly. It was last time we spoke out. It was seven charges. I think I'm right in saying seven charges against us. I, I don't know. They didn't know there were seven laws that we could break by making a statement. John, what do you reckon? What What should we actually do about this? Because I've seen a lot of comments over the past ten days, two weeks of folks saying that you know the boards are letting the fans down by not speaking out on this kind of thing, which I I don't really buy into because you know the, the board will be paying the fine. That, that inevitably lands on the doormat. So what are they supposed to do? What what can the club do to try and address this? What, what can they genuinely do? I guess there's more could be done behind the scenes and perhaps there is more being done behind the scenes. Um, you can't help but think there must be other clubs in the league looking at this thinking, really? Is, is this is how this works? 
you know, we're not we're not the only club that had players cited. Um, and so you do wonder if there's I mean, surely some of the other clubs are looking at this and say, right, that you know, the, the game is the, the dice is loaded here. And it's loaded enough in terms of how much money Celtic have got. So so do they need it loaded more? So you would do wonder if there's if there's stuff being done there. Um, you know, I could see a few clubs who would have absolutely no interest at all in talking to us and, and trying to make things better. But there are other clubs in the league who surely would look at this and say, yeah, something has to be done. So perhaps perhaps something has been done behind the scenes if we don't know it. But I think that does need to be done behind the scenes. I think there has to be uh, an attempt at building some sort of consensus amongst other clubs to say, right, this is not working. This isn't working for anybody except one team. Um, and we're not happy with it. So, so you, you you look at that. Um, in terms of speaking out, you know, a six grand fine, I personally think that's worth it. I think it's worth taking a six grand fine. Uh, I actually think it should probably be Gerard or McAllister that speaks out. I think it's a, a football matter. And I think Gerard still has enough, uh, still, Gerard, Gerard definitely has enough clout and enough respect in the game um, that if he speaks out about it, that people will listen, it will be reported, it will be dealt with. But as I think if one of the directors comes out, I don't Ron, I'm not sure. I'd, 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 I'd genuinely don't know if I'd agree with that because the, the general attitude that I'm seeing towards Stephen Gerrard from the sort of main commentators in Scottish football is, is one that's quite sort of antagonistic. You know, I don't see any sort of fawning over Stephen Gerrard. I think if he, if Stephen Gerrard was to come out with a comment about the standard of refereeing, I think the, the, the accusation that would be aimed at him by the usual suspects is one of paranoia. Here's this guy coming into our country telling us that the game's rotten, this, that, and the next thing. I don't think anyone would listen up here. I really don't. Uh, oh, I, I think I think the media here would absolutely take the opposite view from him. But I still think he's got enough in football. You know, I still think that he has done enough in football and he has enough uh, he has enough in the bank in terms of what he's achieved in football that I think other managers, other players, and you would hope people involved in running the game would actually would listen, would take on board what he's saying. Um, I don't know, maybe I mean, oh, I think the media would kill him. I mean, I, I think you'd, you'd get Michael Stewart and, and uh, Richard Gordon and these guys, Tom English would be doing, you know, double page spreads about, um, you know, how our touch is and how dare they come up here and criticise our game and, and all that. I, I absolutely agree with you. I think there'll be a wee bit of that because he was quite critical of, you know, the plastic pitches. I think he's presser on Friday, you know. So I think that could be a wee tester for, you know, if Gerard was to come out and sort of criticise the standard of refereeing. I think if you you see how the sort of main commentators go with how Gerard views plastic pitches, that would maybe give you an idea of what would happen if he did open up about referees. But as soon as come up, soon as soon as. Soon as had a relationship with some Scottish journalists from his time playing as playing for Scotland, but he didn't have a relationship with most of them, and he just went to war with some of them. And he just saw that as 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 part and parcel of it. And some of them were fairly influential guys. Guys like Jeremy, he, you know, he was very influential at that time. Soon as just went to war with them, and uh, you know, ultimately, I think Soon as probably won more than he lost of those fights, but it. it it puts the spotlight then. I mean, at the end, there is a spotlight. Everyone can see, you know, if Gerard comes out and makes a big thing about this, if Gerard comes out and says, which he should have done, and says, Morales gets a gets a, a retrospective ban for what he did, and the large Ferguson, Lewis Ferguson, doesn't for what he did. Now, we all know if, if the cameras had caught Morales leaving his boot in the Aberdeen keeper, 
you know, but else would be he'd be facing criminal charges if they could get away with it. If they so, try and you know, deport him, we have been measured on, on different rules, and I think Jenner's the guy to call it out. I think he's the guy that has the clout to call it out. But I understand what you're saying. Bro. I just think that's a bit of shouldn't do. It's it's a really tough one, and I think it's a it's a catch twenty two. It's a classic catch twenty two, no win situation for Rangers because you know it's not just the monetary sanction that we would inevitably get when we do another statement. It's the kind of it's the ridicule that goes along with it, and it's fine. You know, no one likes us. We don't care, of course. But it's it's the kind of the PR around doing these statements is is to me not worth it. Um, and so I don't know. I think actually it's an interesting point about. Gerard or McAllister could could call it out, and to be fair, Gerard has done it in a subtle way so far. You know, he came up and within a few weeks of of being at the club, he did say, you know, it seems like decisions have been going against Rangers for a number of years, and at that point, he was slaughtered immediately. Say, so, oh, you know, he's come up here, he's only been here for a, two minutes, and he's already telling us that our referees aren't good enough. Of course, it's it's okay for Celtic to do that, but no, for Rangers to do that. So it's a really really difficult one. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's an answer to it, but unfortunately, the situation's not getting any better. It's been getting worse and worse for a number of years, but this season, it really does feel like things have escalated very, very quickly. The 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 reason there's no answer to it, Ross, is because of the power base, you know. And at this moment in time, the power base in terms of who runs Scottish football lies to the east end of the city, in my opinion. You know, I, I, and that's what that that's why you know there's nothing we can do. I don't at this particular moment in time, unless you know some more prominent commentators in Scottish football appear on the scene that are less antagonistic towards Rangers, then then you've maybe got an avenue to you know you get your view across. But right now, the main ones, the the main ones who sort of run the narrative in this country, do not like you know Rangers football club. So it's I, I genuinely don't know how the club deal with us. It's it's one of those, you know, as it's, it's Frankie pointed out, citation stats, it's all there. It's there in black and white. You know, nine Rangers players called for retrospective action, zero Celtic players. And you've seen Scott Brown today getting away with another one. How many has he got away with? You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not asking for favours. I'm not asking for us to get, you know, you know, four penalties in a game. You know, when I saw those four penalties, you, you call them how you see them. And I thought three of them, we should have had three penalties that day and, should, and two shouldn't have been. I'm not looking for favours. You're just looking for fairness and you're looking for consistency. And it's not there. At this particular moment in time, it is not there. It is, it's a total shambles. You're spot on. Spot on, Colin. Right, very quickly before we go, we're, uh, I don't want to run out of time here. I'd really like to touch quickly on the recruitment and the, the, the shape of the squad. Um, we kind of alluded to the fact earlier that you know going into the winter break level on points, we failed to really kick on after the win against Celtic in December. We really needed to kind of take that and, and start building some momentum, get some confidence going. And obviously, first game back in the league, we, we throw three points away at Rugby Park. So we failed to really push on. And I wonder how much of that is to do with recruitment. Frankie, obviously now the players have had enough time to bed in, to settle into life at Rangers. If we look back over the last two windows, both January and back in the summer, Stephen's first uh, first transfer window at Ibrox, do you think the recruitment on the whole has been good enough? Um, short answer, 
No, I think in, in key areas, I think I think we've struggled. I think I've got a bit of sympathy um, in some respects. I, I mean, I, I think from the very start of the season, I've been looking for backup for Morelos, and I don't think we've got it. I don't think Defoe supplies it. I think he's a different, completely different type of player. I think the way we play, I think what we should have been looking for is a carbon copy of Morelos. I don't think Lafferty is that either. Um, so I think, uh, I don't think he was a great signing. Uh, then we spent, I think when Murphy got injured, you mentioned the other one, we, um, we signed Gresda, who came with this great reputation. And so far, at least, the only person he seems to be filling in for is the guy Herrera in terms of uh, Instagram photos. Um, well, he's injured and not playing for the first team. So, on the other hand, though, I think there has been some successes. I think I think Goldson's done pretty well. Um, I think you can go through. I think Katic looks apart. I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, I think they've got the same with, with Barisic. I mean, I think Barisic was absolutely woeful yesterday um, and has been inconsistent, I think, probably down to um, injury and the fact he's sort of in and out of the team because the manager doesn't seem too keen on playing him at places like Cowdenbeath and and Kilmarnock, so I, th- I think I think there is the the chance he'll still come good. Um, you moving further further forward. I think Carfield. I think he's been a good signing. I think he's a quality player. I think he's a, a slightly younger version of Davis, and you can still see he's got the legs to sort of uh, damage teams uh, for for middle to front. And I think it's it's only in the last month his form has probably dipped just because, as I say, I think he's been carrying this injury. Um, unfortunately, up front we've, we've not been as good as mentioned. Like you've got Gresda, you've got Defoe and Lafferty. Um, none of the three of them have really done enough. Uh, obviously, there's a bit of time for Defoe to come good, and I'm hoping he will. Um, he's, he's definitely got the quality to do that. Um, but I think, obviously, Kent's done quite well in, in, in patches. I think we're coming becoming a bit over-reliant on him. Unfortunately, I think uh, yesterday, I think he, stopped, I thought he started the game uh, brightly and sort of fell out of it as, uh, as it went on, just because we, we were moving him about. One minute he was on the left, the next minute he was centre, the next minute he was back on the left and he was on the right. Um, so generally, I think probably uh, you could probably go 50-50 in terms of where we are. I think that unfortunately the money that we've spent, the serious money is on Grazdan and that's where it's, it's been wasted. Um, and... Is there going to be any more when we come to this summer? Possibly. I think uh, the fact that we did, did so well in the Europa League means we, there should be some money to spend. Obviously, the the uh, the season ticket sales have been phenomenal and uh, and just the, the one-off. I mean, I'm sure there'll be another big crowd on Wednesday despite yesterday's result. Um, with the game not being on TV, so I'd urge everybody to get a lot of Ibrox to support the team again on Wednesday. So... It, it, I, I don't think we were ever going to win the league this year. I think I think we all we all hoped it, and I think we were all hoping Gerard would make a big difference in the in the players that he signed. And I think there has been progress. I think it'd be unfair to say otherwise, just because of that Europa League run. Um, unfortunately, things have stalled a bit just now. And uh, is it going to get better? I, I, I think so. I, th- I think I think Gerard will learn for his mistakes, and I think. I think the same will go to, to Mark Allen. I think he'll realise that where we need to make uh, changes in the summer and I think it's going to take another window before we really see that improvement and that consistency that we we need to really make a title challenge. 
Um, and by all means, the, the league's not finished this season. I think we'll beat Celtic in the next game is back on, and if we can try and find a bit of form. But I think we're really looking at next season now to really mount a challenge, and, and, and uh, let's hope the recruitment's better in the summer. I I agree with you, Frankie. We've got a, a comment on YouTube here for uh, a chap calling himself Doctor Pink Eye. Sorry to hear that. Um, saying that January looks like it could be a a shocking window, and I don't know if I'd use the word shocking, but it's I, I can't I can't really disagree with that. I mean, Davis and Defoe obviously are the, the marquee signings, the big money signings. I think Defoe I have more faith in. That he will come good because he seems he just has this this goal scoring quality that's it's natural, it's instinctive, and it's you know it's, it, that's not going to he, he might lose a yard of pace, but his game's not necessarily about pace; it's about the clinical finishing. So, John, do you think that we're now in a position where we need another overhaul in the summer? We've we've seen over the last four or five years huge, huge revolving door policies every summer with a, a large number of players coming and going. Are we going to have to see that again for 2019-2020? No, I don't. I think both yourself and Frankie are, are, are particularly pessimistic tonight after the weekend. And I understand why. But, I, you know, see if, see if we'd had this after the Aberdeen game, we'd be having a completely different conversation about how we'd had a good window and we'd brought in two experienced players plus the, the American boy um, as cover at fullback or in midfield. Um, you know, we've had yesterday. Yesterday was disappointing. Yesterday was a was a poor performance, a predictable performance, and it was it, it was another one. It was it was we've seen it before, and we kind of saw it coming, and it is very disappointing and frustrating. But I think our recruitment has been pretty good. Our team is a lot better than it was this time last season. Um, in my opinion, you know, we have a better team and a better squad, and we're playing better football, and we're a much harder team. Uh, than we were and I think in terms of what he brought in in the summer Sadiq um, didn't work out um, Gresda I haven't seen enough of Gresda to know whether he's going to work out or not um, I, I, I do worry we've bought a guy who's carrying an injury uh, and it's, it's maybe that, that's potentially something that's maybe going to dog him for a while we'll just have to see but you know what I've seen of him you know, he didn't. He didn't look at him and think, "Wow, yeah, I can't wait to see him fit." But it's. I haven't seen enough of him to make a judgment. And other than that, who else do we feel hasn't hasn't done a job? You know, Lafferty. Um, you could criticise Lafferty. You know, he was doing really well with Hearts, and and it's he's not pushed on since he came to us. Um, it's far too early to judge Davis. It's far too early to judge Defoe. Um, everybody else, I feel that he's brought in has done a job. The defenders he's brought in have been great. Um, you know, Goldson looks an absolute steal. McGregor, we were, we were, you know, we were singing Fotheringham's praises earlier. Um, when we signed McGregor, I was puzzled because I thought, you know, what well, I think the keeper's actually okay. Fotheringham's that's a good keeper. But McGregor's been a fantastic keeper. You know, a great sign. Um, and uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think we're genuinely. I think we're maybe two, three players away. Um, we need a goal scoring midfielder. We need somebody who can who can score goals from midfield. We're looking for a guy who can come in and score 10, 11 goals a season from midfield. Uh, and we need somebody who can unlock a defence, a guy who can just play that killer pass or make that run. Um, and that's the two players we're missing just now, in my opinion. Um, they're the two players we're missing. Um, 
we're going to we, we'll almost certainly lose Morelis in the summer, so replacing him could be difficult. Um, you know, I think replacing. I don't think you're going to get a player like him. I think you're going to end up having to play a slightly different system to suit a different type of forward. Um, but you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, but no, I, I don't think we're looking at a radical overhaul. Um, I don't think we'll sign Koulibaly. I think we'll probably let him go back to to France. He started off well, but you know, it's kind of he's not kind of pushed on with the signing of of Kamara. I think Koulibaly is not going to be staying. Um, other than that, uh, you know. I just think we're all very down after a disappointing performance. I think if we put Kamal up to the sword and wins the night, we'll be feeling better and we should have the chat again then. That right, sounds good to me. Colin, <laughs> I'll give you the last word on the transfers. What do you reckon is the shape of the squad and do you think there's a lot of work needed in the summer? Uh, I think there might be a lot of work because of the reasons that John just outlined there. I think Morelos could go. I think Tav could possibly go as well. Uh, Kent's obviously in loan. I've got big question marks over the guy that you've got man love for, Ross uh, Candias. I don't know if he's quite good enough. I'm actually willing to wrap up this show right now if you say one <laughs> bad word about Candias. Right? Well, I'm sorry. He was honking yesterday. And again, these performances sort of litter his, his time at Rangers. He comes out and plays very well and then occasionally, and then too often, you know, it's just tries to be a wee, wee bit too fancy at times. So I think I, I could actually maybe see, you know, Worrell, he's on loan. Uh, I've got question marks about Barisic. And I think Gerard's got question marks about him as well. So I I think there might be a wee bit more movement than you think, especially if we get a decent uh, a decent amount of money in for uh, Morelos, who I think will undoubtedly go. And if Tav goes, we could be looking at a decent transfer fee for him as well. So there could be a decent amount of money coming in. So I think you might see a bit of movement in the summer, yes. Aye, I think you're right. And, you know, Tav and Morelos, if they both go, I think Morelos is probably 80 to 85% certain that he'll be away. If Tav joins him, we could be looking at upwards of £20 million coming in, yeah. which is which is huge for us, absolutely massive. And it just means that it has to be properly reinvested yeah, in quality. Yeah, it has to be reinvested wisely, I think. You know what I mean? I think John makes a good point about... You know, I don't, I, this season in particular, Morelos isn't the type of player you can replace because he is. He's just one of those ragdolling type strikers that just create so many problems. I don't think you're going to find someone else like that. You, you maybe just need to tinker with the system a wee bit and bring someone else in who's going to get you 20 plus goals a season. Exactly, and that's that's hard to find. It's so hard to find. There's no guarantees. You know, we thought in players like Gresda we were getting the next big thing, and it's. It's almost like it's turned out to be the Eastern European Nuno Capuccio. Aye. But, I mean... <laughs> and we all remember him fondly. I am. <laughs> Nuno Capuccio marauded yeah, down yeah. the left wing. Shocker. Right, guys, I'm afraid that's probably just about all we have time for. I want to thank all three of our guests, John, Frankie and Colin, for the excellent insight this evening and, and for giving us your time. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show tonight, then, then please do make sure you leave us a wee comment and let us know what you think. Um, you can always head over and join the discussion at www.jersnet.co.uk. Get signed on up to the forum. Check out all the articles, all the discussions, the match previews. It's all free. It's all quality. Definitely worth a few minutes of your time. All that's left for me to say is a really, really big thank you for joining us on this very special live edition of the Jersnet podcast. And have a great week. <laughs>